If you have your Bibles, we're going to uh, continue in this end time uh, study as we're looking at the, the last days and what's, what we expect to happen, what we uh, believe that's going to happen according to the Bible, according to Scripture. Uh, every belief that we have as a church should be founded in the doctrine of Scripture. Amen. The teaching of God's Word. So uh, as we're looking, we've uh, already uh, uh, come to the conclusion that there's going to be a rapture of the church, that there's a catching up of the saints, and uh, that Paul wrote back to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, last week we looked in Revelations chapter 20 and looked about the thousand-year millennial reign that's going to happen uh, after the uh, seven years of tribulation. And I want us to go this week back to that same chapter, Revelations chapter 20. And we're going to look at uh, verse 11, Revelations chapter 20, verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and he whom sat on it, for whose face the earth and from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, both small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that they had, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead and those who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement that you have for us today. Lord, that we can live forever in eternity with you. And God, that you give us your book, your word, the Bible, to base our life on, to live our life by. Lord, help us today to understand. Open up our minds, open up our heart to receive what you say to us today. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. I think to truly uh, get a a grasp on uh, this this teaching and this uh, end time doctrine and things that we're reading here in Revelation. We need to look at who wrote it. And John, the Revelator, we know uh, wrote this because he penned it down in the first chapter and said, "I John, uh, I John." So he he's telling us that John wrote it, and he's the disciple that Jesus loved. He wrote the apostle or the uh, uh, epistles of First, Second, Third John. He also wrote uh, the the gospel according to John. So as John the Revelator writes the book of Revelations, you've got to understand where he's coming from to get a little picture into it, a glimpse into what's happening. And by understanding, we know that John was on the Isle of Patmos. He writes that down in this, this book called Revelation, and he says he's on the Isle of Patmos. And if you do a historical study of that, you'll find that Patmos is a little island outside uh, there in, uh, uh, right outside of Ephesus. And John the Apostle uh, that Jesus chose James and John were uh, brothers and, and, and John was the disciple Jesus loved but he, he told John at the, at the cross he's the only disciple that was there John was the only one left everybody else had abandoned Jesus and Jesus looks down off the cross and he said son behold your mother talking about Mary Jesus' mother and he said mother behold your son so Jesus was getting ready to leave this planet leave earth and he was entrusting his mother in the care of one of his disciples that stuck around John stayed with him. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to stay with Jesus. Amen. And 
John ended up with Mary and they traveled and uh, history teaches us that uh, John and Mary ended up in, in Ephesus and John pastored the church there in Ephesus and he loved God, loved people, uh, continued to grow the church and we know according to Acts and the epistle of Ephesians that, that some of the things that was going on in Ephesus and uh, John was preaching the gospel there and, and pastoring the church, the local church in Ephesus and Rome didn't like it much. Just like today, the world doesn't care much for us having church. The world doesn't like us having the ability to assemble ourselves together in like-mindedness, come in and worship God, and love God and love people. So as John was in a, a hostile environment, uh, Rome come in and, and took him prisoner. And when they took him prisoner, they, they exiled him to this isle called Patmos. And he's out there, you need to think about some of the people he was around with some of the roughest of society. And John was living a life inside of this prison with some of the worst of society. And it's easy for us to, to sit here today and try to think about this end time event, but we need to look at it as a perspective that God gave this picture. He gave this glimpse of what the end times of the end of the days were to this man named John during some of the most trying times on the planet Earth. The Roman Empire was an empire that they did some horrific things. Crucifixion is brutal. It, it, it's like there's no good way to die, but that's not the way you want to die. So as, as John's out there and he's in the middle of this bad environment, he's in prison around all these uh, uh, people that probably deserve to be there. Some of them maybe not because of Rome or the way they were, but he's there with all these people. And I'm sure he's having a hard time fellowshipping with God because he was alone. And there's probably very few Christians that were inside of that camp. But John begins to pray and John begins to seek God. And he, he's caught up. He says in the beginning of this, this uh, book that he was caught up into the heaven. And he, he saw these things. John the Revelator sees these things. And I say that th this way that, that the reason he got this picture, I believe, is because God comforts us. God cares about where we're at and what we're experiencing. Why would God give John a picture of this and, and let him write it down for us? for 2,000 years later is because he wants to cover us the same way. It's a comforting thing to know that we can live in eternity with Jesus. It's a comforting thing to know that eternity is going to be a place where we get to do the good things that we always want to do and the, only th the things we should do. And God's making this account to John and painting him this picture that at the end, end, end of days that there's going to be this uh, catching away of the saints. There's going to be all this tribulation to hit the earth. But at the end of all of it, he brings it down to this to say there's going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ. And then we know, according to this scripture here in verse 7, and what we talked about last week with a thousand years, that the thousand years were expired, and Satan will be released from his prison and we'll go out and deceive the nations which are on the four corners of earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. And they went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints of the beloved city. And fire of God came down out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this lake of fire is a place they're cast into. And some people think, you know, about this battle of Armageddon when they make movies, they show all this stuff happening and coming in and bombs flying and it's like it's a battle going on. But can I tell you this morning that there's no battle between God and the devil. Why? Because God always wins. 
It's going to be an instantaneous thing. The minute that the Son of God ascends from glory with his saints and comes to do battle, the battle's already over before he ever leaves heaven. Amen. There's not going to be a fight. The devil can't put up a fight. If you don't believe me, go back and read the Old Testament prophets that says, I saw you Lucifer fall out of heaven like lightning. It was that fast. You know how fast lightning hits the earth when it strikes? That's how fast the enemy, devil, what used to be a, a ringleader in heaven basically, and he was an angel, and God cast him out because the devil wanted to take over the throne. Why? Because the God, the God that we serve is the only one that's faithful and true. He's the only one that's just. He's the only one that will judge, impartial, and only based on truth. The enemy is a liar. That's what the scripture teaches, and Jesus told him, you're just like your father, the devil, and he's a liar. The devil is a liar. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil will lie to you. <laughs> Amen. He'll take you down a path and lie to you the whole path, telling you how great it's going to be, and when you get to the end, it ain't nothing but thorns and thistles and a bad life. Amen. He'll tell you how great of experience it is and how, how you can do this and do that and it's going to be a great life and it just messes everything up. If you follow him, he's deceiving you. He's deceptive in his ways. So as this end time events happen, that there's the, the judgment seat's going to be there and that's what this doctrine that we're talking about today is the great white throne do, uh, judgment. There's a doctrine of that, of, of what's going to happen at this great white throne judgment. The sea's going to give up its dead. The, the, all of us are going to be there, and we're going to be judged according. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 that we'll be judged according to every idle word that we speak. How many say, I'm scared of that? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> every word I speak? You mean, you mean like even the stuff I say under, mumble under my breath? Like, oh, no good, sorry, son. Yeah, he knows. And the tape recorder of heaven is always playing. I don't know about you, but sometimes people will sit around and they'll get you entrapped in this conversation or something, and, and they might tape you. And you'll walk away and you'll remember it being that I said it this way, or I said this, or I said that, or I done this, or I done that. But then when they play the tape back, you're like, yeah, that didn't come out right or I said that wrong or I didn't mean it that way but it sounded this way yeah that's what heaven's going to be like we're going to be judged according to every idle word we say and we can't stand there and say well I plead ignorance or I didn't know or we're going to be judged according to our words why because of the power of life and death is in the tongue so we got to watch what we say amen look at your neighbor and say hold your tongue James says it's a, a most unruly member. I, I say, says it's the worst part of the whole body. I Everybody just stick your tongue out as far as you can. Uh, no, no, you got to do it. Everybody stick your tongue out. I want you to go, I hear, it's the most unruly member. What I said was, this is the most unruly member. That's what James says that. And it's really the truth. How many's ever got in trouble with this? I opened it up when I said, shut up. Amen. That's me. So as, as we're going to be judged according to this, but we've got we to gotta believe that God is true, that he's a, 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 a just God, that he will give us according to the measure of what we do. So how's, what's the only way to come to God? The only way that you can come to God and stand before him or even bow before him at this great white throne judgment, I believe, is you better have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. Amen? 
You cannot clean up yourself good enough to come to God because the Old Testament, one of the prophets said that my, my righteousness is as filthy rags, Isaiah the prophet said. And can you imagine Isaiah, a prophet of God, saying my righteousness is as filthy rags? You can never be clean enough. You'll never straighten up your life good enough to say, you know, well, I need to quit drinking or I need to quit smoking or I need to quit doing this or I need to quit doing that and then I'll come to God. You'll never clean up your life good enough to get to God. You've got to come to Him just as you are. The old song that they used to sing in where I grew up at church all the time, every altar call, Just as I am without one plea. Something like that. We have to come just like we are. So if you're planning on, well, pastor, someday I'll, I'll straighten up and I'm trying to do this and I've got to get this fixed and get that adjusted and do this and do that and then, then I'll come to God someday. Don't wait. Start now and just say, God, I am a mess and I need your help. Amen. I have to have you to clean me up because I can't clean myself up. Every time I ever tried to do good, Paul said, I mess up that much more. How many can test to that and say that's true for me too? Amen. Every time I try to fix something, the next day the enemy will come out and he'll put a, a stumbling block, is what scripture calls it, a stumbling block in front of me and, and trip you up. Every time you wake up and say, well, next week I ain't doing that. I done really bad last week and I messed up on Friday and, and this week I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to do better. I, 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 I. It ain't Monday morning before the next thing you know you're laying on your face and say, man, that didn't last long. Amen. It's the truth. We can't fix anything about us. Only God, our maker, can create a clean heart within us and renew a right spirit within us. Only he can fix what we mess up. We have to believe that when I stand before him at that great white throne judgment, that it's only God and only through him and by his son Jesus' blood that I can stand there with a clean heart and say, God, I did my best because I asked you to clean me up. It's the only way you'll ever make it. But everybody's going to stand there, good and bad. It's going to be a sad day because God didn't create hell for anybody other than old Slewfoot and all of his imps and minions and everything else that he's got. That's going to end up in hell. He created hell for them because he cast them out of heaven. It wasn't created for human beings. God didn't devise a plan and say, I'm going to create hell, and I'm, I hope there's this many humans that I'm going to get to send there. The Bible says that he creates good things. And he created Adam out of the dust of the earth, and, and, and Eve come out of his rib, and God made all that. And I don't know how that works. And I, the first surgeon was God. How does he do that? How does he make a woman out of a rib? I don't know. The only thing I can make out of a rib is a good meal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Hopefully it's smoked right. But this throne, it's, it's a reality. So as we think about this, what kind of judgment? And, and, you know, in the culture that we live in, in America that we live in, there's a, 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 a mindset that, that we've got this one verse, man. It's, it's like our, for Americans, it's like this is the greatest verse of all times. This is the one verse that I, I'll, I'll memorize this one if I won't remember anything else. It's the one I really, I'm going to use this every chance I get. So it's in Matthew chapter 7. I love it when we're talking about judgment. I, I love judging. I love judging people. I'm the most judgmental person you've ever met in your life, and I'll look at you, and I'll just tell you what it is, and, you know, I'm real judgmental like that. And Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 7. This is one that everybody quotes. We as Americans, we love this verse. It's awesome. Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. How many's ever heard that one quoted? 
Everybody in the room, if you ain't raising your hand, you're lying. I'm judging you for it. <laughs> We've all heard, judge not lest you be judged. Everybody likes quoting that one because it makes us feel good about ourselves. Because usually when we're telling somebody else not to judge, actually we're making a judgment telling them they ain't allowed to judge. Right? That's a judgment on our half saying you ain't allowed to judge. We're making a judgment that they can't judge. So if you're making a judgment they can't judge, actually you're judging and that then if you, you ain't going by your own, you got a mixed up theology there. So we got to look at this and this is Jesus. My goodness, can you imagine Jesus with thousands of people sitting around? He's got this church and he's got this following. And he comes out here in Matthew and he's got this Sermon on the Mount and thousands of people sitting up and down the side of the hillside. And Jesus out there, he don't have a microphone. He, he don't have, he's standing out on the side of the hill and talking to these people. And he says, he says this in Matthew chapter 7. Judge not, lest you be judged. And I can hear a good hearty amen from the crowd. Right? There's, you got to have to be careful about your stopping points because sometimes people, you know, so if Jesus just come out there on the hill and be like, judge not, lest you be judged, everybody be like, yeah, woo, that's, that's the God I want to serve, a non-judgmental God. Then Jesus goes on, verse 2, for with, the, with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the same measure you use it, it will be judged back upon you. Really? You mean I'm going to be judged according to how I judge. Jesus said this, not me. Really? Who's he talking to? These are some Jewish people that had some deep uh, uh, religious perceptions. They, they had a law according to Moses. They had the Old Testament and they, they loved the first five books of the Bible so much that they memorized it by the time they was 12 years old. Most of these people that Jesus was talking to had the first five books of the Bible memorized word for word. Can you, can you quote the whole first five books of the Bible? Can you even tell the name of them? That's <laughs> what they did. But really, I'd say I could talk about Dumb and Dumber, and you can quote me I don't know how many portions of Dumb and Dumber movie, Right? <laughs> Because we, we, we can quote what we've listened to the most. If you've not studied the Word of God, then you know more of it. I can tell you about Forrest Gump and Jenny. I can tell you about you know all these things. If we can watch all the movies we want, we can, we can quote all them. But these people that Jesus were talked to were people that could quote the first five books of the Bible. It's amazing to me. And Jesus is telling them, judge not, lest you be judged. And they're sitting there thinking, but we got a law, and we've got a judge according to what the law is. And you know they know how to do this stuff because they, one time they got Jesus trying to trap him, and they brought this woman that had been caught in, in adultery in the very act, they said. I don't know what they was doing to watching an adulterous act, but maybe that was on their mind, right? So they bring her to Jesus, and they're like, this woman's caught in adultery, the very act. And, and the Moses says in the law that we're to stone her and kill her right here, right now, and they're all standing there with a rock or in their hand. It says, the Bible says that Jesus is kneeled down on the ground and he, he writes something in the sand. It doesn't say what he writes in the sand, but Jesus looks up at him and he says, He that's without sin casts the first stone. The Bible says that they all walk away dropping their rocks because they know there's sin inside of my life. It's hard for me to throw a rock at her when I know a rock ought to be hitting me. You see, Jesus and his judgment 
something that we, it, it, it's a perplex, perplexing thing for me. You know why? And you know what condemns me the most? It's whenever I get around some of the most ungodly people I know and they look at me and said, kill them with kindness, Ben. Kill them with kindness. I'm, I'm a pastor of a church and I got this most ungodly person I know looking at me and saying, you're being too crude. You're being too judgmental. Kill them with kindness. And I changed my philosophy and the whole week went different after they changed my mind. We can learn something <laughs> if we'll listen. And sometimes God will use even a donkey to talk to you in the Bible. A donkey talked to a prophet one time and told him, you're wrong. Maybe it'll take that for some of us to get through us getting a donkey to talk to you. You'd probably open your eyes then and be like, what? What's going on here? But Jesus is telling, for the same measure you judge, you we judge back to you. And then I love this, verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? So Jesus is telling, why do you even look at what's wrong with poor little old Josiah here? And he's got this little speck right here. Let me, let me get this for you. Oh. See, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fix what's wrong with him. And Jesus said, I've got a two before hanging out my own eye. I've got a little speck on Josiah, and I'm worried about that, you know. And here I've got a two before hanging outside of my head. It's like, oh, nothing's wrong with me. I've got to fix what's wrong with him. Because that's what humanity does. Amen. We don't notice what's wrong with us. We notice what's wrong with everybody else. That's the judgmental nature of us. That's how, that's how we, we're, we're created in His image. And if God's a judge and we're created in His image, guess what? We're going to judge. But the thing is, after the fall of Adam and Eve, we took on a nature to judge according to our standards and not His. Isn't this amazing? The judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment, God's going to judge with impartial judgment according to righteousness and not according to what man does. See, it's, 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 kind of, it's better now than it was this morning. I took a Benadryl, and it's probably the reason I'm stubborn on my word, or stumbling on my words today. It's because I took a Benadryl. And when I take a Benadryl, I get all out of whack. It's wonder I'm not snoring up here right now somewhere. It puts me down. I can't do Benadryl, but I took one this morning. And I squirted other squirt juice up my nose because yesterday a bumblebee got me on the eyebrow right here and it was no fun. I posted a picture of it this morning. It looks better now. It feels better now. But still, it's like this eye don't open as fast. As I blink, this one is slower than this one. Now I don't know what you feel like, Amy. You got that, what's it called? Uh, yeah, Bell's palsy sometimes. Amy's face does that and it gets worse. She'll blink and it's like, it's like a three second delay on that eye. That's the way mine feels right now. So here I'm trying to help Josiah with this little plank, and here I got this eye all messed up. Ain't it weird how God had a bumblebee sting me on the eye yesterday just for an example to use during a sermon today? Here I was made up to be. Maybe it was God. Amen. That's a, we don't know. But I'm telling you this, that Jesus says most of the time the people that judge the most have a lot more going on behind the scenes that they won't talk about. The most judgmental people we'll come to, into in, in our life as we look, and most of the time it's the church. I wish there'd have been a good amen right there. I said most of the time, most of the judgmental people you can come around in your life, the most judgmental people you know in your life is Christian people. Amen, amen that's better. Let's try again. The most judgmental people you'll ever see in your life is Christian people. It's the church, right? Yeah. Amen. 
Why? Because that's who we are. We're made in God's image, but we don't do it fair. We don't do it right. We do it according to our standards. So I love this. Okay, let's, let's carry on here. Um, speck out of your own eye. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow, I like that. Get the two, look at your neighbor and say, get that two before out of your head. You're messed up, man. You're lopsided. I wish I had a two before. I'd carry it around tight by a rope to the side of my head or something. Verse 6. Do not give what is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample under feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Isn't that amazing? Oh, we missed verse 5. That's my favorite part. Let's back up. Move respect from your own eye. Oh, verse 5. Here's what we got to get to. Verse 5. Has anybody got the first word? Greg, what's the first word of... of for, huh? Thou. Well, second word then. Mine took thou out. Hypocrite. Woo! I love this. This is church now. We're getting close. It's going to be awesome. Hypocrite. Jesus called the Jewish people, his brothers and sisters, hypocrites. I want you to look over at your neighbor right now. I want you to say, you... Let them have it. Go ahead. There you go. Hey, man, that's the best church service I've ever been into. The whole room's full of them. You know what a hypocrite is? Somebody that says they, they're doing something, but actually they're not. How many's actually ever told somebody and wanted, to, wanted somebody to perceive you to be such a way? We all try to be a good Christian, right? We try to present ourselves to be a good Christian. But Monday through Saturday, I do a lot worse than I do on Sunday. Amen. That's right. Anybody with the truth would have raised their hand right there, and Rachel's the only one. We're hypocrites. We try to present ourselves to be something that we're really not. And I'm a messed up individual. I was born warped, I guess. I, I look back through my, I studied my genealogy one time, and I figured out, man, I don't want to be kin to those people. Amen. Hypocrite. And can you imagine Jesus standing up here on this hill with this church following, everybody coming out, come out and hear this wild man in the wilderness, and he's preaching about this and preaching that, and they, he gets them down for the Sermon on the Mount, and he comes out with this. You hypocrites! What if I just pointed out everybody in here today and said, I tell you what, you're all a bunch of hypocrites. Everybody's going to leave here. That's the most judgmental church I've ever been in in my life. I didn't go to be judged like that. Jesus is calling them hypocrites. They don't do what they say they're supposed to do. But here's the deal with the judgment of Jesus. He does it with righteousness in mind. And when he calls somebody a hypocrite, he isn't doing it to condemn them. He's doing it to convict them. And that's two totally different things. That's the complete opposites of the spectrum. There's a difference in condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is something to say, you're not as good as me. Conviction is saying, come up here and be like me. And when Jesus was calling them hypocrites, he wasn't pointing a finger at them. He's saying, come up higher, be better. Amen? Be better than what you were before you come to this sermon on the mount today. 
walk away here from here with a judgment philosophy to say, I'm not going to judge people according to what my standards is. I'm going to do my best to live the life that Jesus has planned for me to live, and I'm going to do the absolute best I can, and I'm going to help everybody I can. I ain't going to condemn them. You don't believe me? We all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. What? That he gave his only begotten son. Huh? That whosoever believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody forgets 17. For some man didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come condemning. Jesus will not condemn you today. Now at the end of this thousand year millennial reign, at the end of Armageddon, at, the, at this great white throne judgment, then there will be condemnation. And that's when it's all over. But the fair God that we serve today will judge us today according to conviction, not according to condemnation. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, For now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. When Jesus says hypocrite, he didn't say it condemning, he said it convicting. So I want you to do this all week this week. I want you to go to work tomorrow, where you're sitting there in your little booth, your little cubicle or whatever it is, and you hear that person over on the phone talking about somebody else and talking to somebody else down the lobby about whatever's going on over there. Dusty, I'm using Dusty in my mindset right now. He's up on the second floor. He's made it. You know, he's up on the second floor, and the person, the woman over the next to him is talking to the woman down the, in the lobby. And I see so-and-so on that camera, and I can't believe they walk in here and look like that. And I want you to just scream out to the top of your lungs, Dusty, Hypocrite! Or Aaron, when you go to work and you get up there at Taco Bell and somebody says something about somebody that drives through the drive-thru and they've already pulled on, they ain't telling them to their face or talking behind their back, and I just want you to look over and say, Hypocrite! Or Greg, when somebody shows up to the shop this week and they've been to church on Sunday and they went two times on Sunday and they're the most holy people and just went to, out to eat after church and just living with some Christian friends and they come into the shop tomorrow and they sit down and they say, well, can you believe oh so-and-so? I want you, Greg, to the top. I, I hope it raises the roof off of Super Sounds tomorrow that he sits there and he screams, Hypocrite! What if we really live like that? Man, a lot of people say, well, I won't go to the church. I won't even go to church with you. Why? Because it's full of hypocrites. I want to show of hands. How many will say right now, I don't do the things I'm supposed to do sometimes, and I mess up, and I usually don't tell everybody about it. Show of hands. Amen. Amen. Hypocrites everywhere. This is the most hypocritical church I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this fun pastoring y'all, though. Amen, because I know I ain't got far. You know, it's like, oh, it's blind leaving the blind. We both fall in the ditch. It's good. I just want you to leave here less judgmental than you came. That's my goal today. And whatever judgment you do use, I hope you do it with conviction, not with condemnation. What am I saying? The Bible says he that's spiritual. It's 1 Corinthians chapter somewhere 3, I think. Says he's the spiritual judges all things. A spiritual person is supposed to be a judgmental person. And I'll tell you what kind of judgment you're supposed to be doing. Wherever you see somebody hurting, or see somebody in despair, 
or you know that coworker that's going through this or facing this and this is going on in their life don't condemn them amen walk up and put your arm around them and say I serve a God that created the heaven and the earth and he promises us a future better than this he promises us a future better than this and I'm going to live there forever and you're going to get through this and I'll get through it with you that's what Jesus wanted us to do he don't want a screaming hypocrite across the aisle he says it with conviction not condemnation now, I'm not telling you not to judge I'm telling you to judge but judge the way God judges if we expect grace and mercy from God for the sins in our life we have to expect the same for our friends our neighbors our family, our loved ones. Amen? If I need God's grace, they need God's grace. I can't expect judgment, and I know we all believe in karma, and I know I've quoted Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 all my life. For God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For with the same measure he sows, that shall he also reap that I want other people that whenever I do something wrong I know harm comes on me so I, whenever something, somebody else does something wrong I want harm to come on them it's a wrong mindset friend we can quote all the verses we want but if they're out of context and out of way God ain't like that he loves more than he disciplines now I'm not saying you won't get a paddling from God because I'm telling you I've had a few but it's for my best he ain't doing it condemned. He's doing it convict. Won't you stand? I'm sorry I got too long-winded. I just hope you leave different than you came. There's another whole scripture I wanted you to go to that we didn't make it to. We didn't make it to this morning anyway. I'm too long-winded. Sorry. Colossians chapter 3. Read it this week. It tells you about God and the judgment and how some things that he wants us to live by and not live by. Colossians chapter 3 it's an awesome verse Paul's writing back to the church I want everybody here just bow your head and close your eyes the only way to enter heaven the only way to ever stand at that great white throne judgment with any confidence at all that you're going to make it that you don't have to worry that your hope is in Jesus Christ is by accepting him as your Lord and Savior I don't know the condition of every heart in this place today I just know this that Jesus loves you enough to send this message to you today and it's not only for you it's for me as well I can just sense right now that the convicting power of God is in this place to let us know right from wrong. Basically, everybody in this room raised their hand and said, I'm a hypocrite. And the only way to ever fix that problem is by trusting in Him and asking Him to fix you because you can't fix yourself. There's some people in this room today that will say, Pastor Ben, I'm tired 
facing this battle and facing that battle and trying with my own strength. And today I want to walk out of here changed because I allow God to do some things in my life. And I want to give him complete control today. Is there anybody here to lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Ben. I'm going to leave here different today. I'm walking out of here changed. God's fixing to clean my heart from the inside out. Amen. Amen. I want everybody here to just pray this prayer with me. Don't worry about what your neighbor is doing. Don't worry about if they're praying or you're praying. Worry about yourself right now. If you want to judge anybody in this room, judge yourself right now and say, I'm not doing good enough. I need to do better through him. I want everybody here to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my faults. Forgive me of my failures. Help me to judge myself more and others less. Help me to have the future in heaven that you planned for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe you prayed that prayer, meant it with your heart, that God will change your life. I know what he's done in mine. And I can attest to you that life after Jesus is a lot better than life before Jesus for Ben Collier. I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm saying that I still judge sometimes and I get convicted by God using somebody else to talk to me. And I need it. And I'll accept it gladly. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.